Okay, so my hope was in the Colts winning. <laughs> they hadn't won a long, in a long time. Yeah, the first game of the season. And, and the Colts made a lot of really good changes this offseason. Not, not only had they, had they upgraded the quarterback position, but a whole bunch of defensive players, so much, so much better. Their, their roster, I think, is just set. And so my hope was that the Colts were finally going to win this game, start the season winning. You know, last year was terrible. They ended the, game, ended the season losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they, all they needed to do was beat the worst team in the NFL and make the playoffs, but they didn't do it. So my hope was crushed last season. And so last week, as I was thinking about this, okay, let's, let's win. Well, the, at halftime, Amber and Rod and, and were, were driving. We were coming back from the marriage retreat, uh, and we were listening to the game, and it wasn't going so great. It was... They were down by seven at halftime. And the, the third quarter, I started getting worried when they were down by 17. And my hope was that they would just come back. <laughs> just come back. They're, they're playing the Texans. Come on. In the fourth quarter, they, my hopes started lifting, rising, because the Colts got a touchdown. And then they recovered a fumble and got another touchdown. They got a field goal. So they, they tied the game after being down 17 in the fourth quarter. And my hope was, that, okay, just beat them in overtime. But I think the Colts place too much hope in a kicker that doesn't know how to kick sometimes or doesn't know how to kick it well. Because for the game-winning field goal, only a 40-what, three-yarder? In the NFL, you should make that. But no, wide right. And so that, unfortunately for him, that was also his career. But my hope was dashed. But at least they, they pulled out the tie. But still, that's kind of disappointing. But they, okay, so they still haven't won an opening game in a long time. <laughs> and, and I don't know about you, but like, for me, it's easy to put my hope into things that are so temporal, that are so, like, not important. And in our society, we, we put our hope into things that don't last. And in this series, we're going to be starting, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter together over the next uh, several, or about nine weeks in the fall. And we're looking at how hope is here because hope is not about putting our hope into this thing or that thing. Our hope is putting, our hope as Christians is we're putting our hope into a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And we just sang about our living hope in Jesus Christ. And we should all have hope in Jesus. And so sometimes we kind of forget that. Sometimes we, we put our hope in other things that will make us happier, make us feel secure. And so Peter wrote a letter to the churches that were scattered around in those times, and he wanted to let them know that we need to keep our hope in Christ. And so today we're going to be looking at how hope is here, how Jesus is our living hope because He is alive. He's not dead. He was for a very short amount of time, but He is alive. And so we can have our hope fully and firmly in Jesus today. And as we are looking through this, this series, I want to remind us that, that hope is a confident expectation. It is not just something that comes and goes. But in Christ, it is something that, is, that we can be confident and sure about. So as we are going to be jumping into this, uh, this letter to 
to the churches that Peter wrote. Uh, let's, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this, for your word. We thank you that we can open your word. And God, we thank you that, that even though it was written a long time ago, it was written to people just like me and you that need to keep our hope and trust in you. So Jesus, I just pray that today we would just receive whatever we need to from your word. Let, just let your spirit move however you want. So we would have eyes and ears to receive today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to First Peter. And pop quiz, pop quiz, who do we think wrote First Peter? Uh, Jaden! Oh, you're right. Someone told me Paul this week. But I won't say who that is. But it is right. You're right. Peter wrote 1 Peter. And so, uh, if you forget where 1 Peter is, you can do a little memory like I did when I was in third grade. They taught me he Pete J.J. Rev. he Pete J.J. Rev. That's how you memorize it. It's Hebrews, J, James, Pete, First and Second Peter, J.J. That's for the, the books of 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, Jude, and Revelation. Rev. P.G.P. J.J. Rev. So it's near the back of the Bible. You don't have to memorize that if you don't want to. But it's been handy for me in my, in my life, remembering which books that were in order there. So 1st Peter was written by Peter. And we're going to see what he says here. Uh, for, for us, maybe we don't know who Peter is. This is the same Peter that, in, that was one of the disciples of Jesus. It's the same Peter that was called, he, he actually didn't have the name Peter when he was first called as a disciple. Um, another pop quiz. Cameron, what was it? Oh, sorry, I shouldn't call you out. <laughs> Anybody? Uh, <laughs> Simon. Okay, Simon. So sometimes we, the scriptures talk about Simon Peter. Also you hear sometimes Cephas. What's, what's that? that? That's the same person, Cephas, but that was in a different, the different translation. Okay. So all those people are the same person. Peter, he was the same person that walked on water with Jesus. He was the same person that doubted Jesus and denied Jesus, was restored by Jesus. He was kind of the one that was always, he was the first out of the boat. He was the first, he was jumping in, doing whatever. He was, he was kind of the, one of the leaders of the disciples. Anyway, so he wrote about 30 years after Jesus had uh, ascended back to the Father. So about 30 years later, he's, he's writing this letter, and let's see what it says. First Peter chapter 1, and he starts out by saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He wants people to know right away who this is. I'm writing, he's writing as an apostle of Jesus. Apostle means sent. That, that all the disciples became apostles, the sent ones. And so he's writing to God's elect, exiles scattered through the provinces. And, and, and these places are all in about where we would say Turkey now. Okay, so he's writing, and this isn't just to these churches, this isn't just to these people, it's, it's, for, it's a letter that's to be circulated. It was a letter that was meant to be uh, read by Christians all over the place. And he uses some language here, God's elect and exiles that were scattered. And so here he's, he's talking about, even though he's writing mostly to Gentiles, mostly to people that did not come to Jesus through Judaism, he's writing in language of letting them know you are chosen by God. 
You are even, and you are exiles. You are living in places that are not, not in Israel. You're living all over the place, but you're scattered because of persecution. And so he says this in, in verse 2. He's talking to those, those Christians who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace to yours in abundance. So here, he, this is just the, the, he just is addressing and letting just the, the start of the letter. And, and so he's saying this to the people. He's letting, you see the, the Trinity, he uses it right here, uh, the, to the Father and the Spirit and the Son, all of those are present in, in, what, Paul, in what Peter is writing here. And how the, and how they work together, and how they could be, how we worship a God who is all is three in one. And so then he says, "Grace and peace to be in yours to be abundant." He wants he's this is a blessing. He wants believers in Christ to be full of grace and peace, and make that something that people really understand about us that we have grace and peace. But then he writes, "This letter is really about hope." And we're going to see that here. It says in verse 3, Praise or blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Does that sound familiar? Living hope? That, so he's give, Jesus has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And who, through faith, are shielded by God's power in, until the coming of salvation that is, that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I, first of all, there's a lot of really interesting language here, but especially in verse 3. Notice on your, on your front of your bulletin that verse 3, there's a nice graphic of verse 3 here. And my challenge for each of us this week is to say 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to ourselves or to uh, someone in our family to, to read it out loud each day this week. And by doing that, that will get it into your head. It will get it into your mind. You'll be thinking about this verse. And even a further challenge, if you read it every day, you can probably put, probably just, if you're reading it every day, probably put it into your heart with with memory. Um, This is just a rich verse because we're, we're praising Jesus. We're praising God. And then we see that God's mercy, He has great mercy. We all need His mercy. Not just the people that are lost. We, if you believe in Jesus Christ, we are in need of His mercy on a regular basis. And we need to be reminded of, of the sin, of the lifestyle that we used to live before coming to Jesus, if you have committed your heart to Jesus. And, and so, this is... This is a big piece of the gospel right here, that Jesus came and died. And he, we have hope 
a living hope in Him. We have a living hope that's secure in heaven. Now that's our, that's our um, first point today, is that our living hope is secure in heaven. Now it's not just a living hope because it's, we just are hopeful. It's a living hope that's in Christ. And that is secure in heaven. Peter says that here. He says that this inheritance, it can never perish, it can never fade, it can never spoil, and it's kept for you in heaven. So we don't have to be concerned about if you trust Jesus with your life. You don't have to worry about when you die, where you're going to be. You don't have to worry about that at all. We, we can focus on our hope is secure and then we can be letting other people know about this hope that we have and letting other people know that this place that Jesus is preparing for us. But we don't have to be concerned about where we're going to be because our hope is secure in heaven. Our inheritance is secure and it's, it's not going to foil or, uh, or um, it's not going to perish, spoil, or fade. Our hope, our new birth into a living hope in Jesus is secure in heaven. Remember, not like the Colts, not like whatever team you root for. You don't have to be hopeful that you'll one day be with Jesus in heaven. You don't have to be hopeful because, well, you can be hopeful, but it's a hope that's secure in Christ. It's a, a hope of this world and hope in Jesus are different things. So we can be hopeful in Christ, but that's different than just being like kind of a, how we usually use, man, I'm hoping that the Colts don't lose again today. I know they didn't lose last week. It was a tie. But, man, they're playing Jacksonville. Surely they're going to beat them, right? Hopefully. Come on. Hopefully. But that's different than our hope is in Christ. Because our hope is secure in Jesus. If you've put your trust and faith into Jesus, we have that confident expectation. So, where do we put our security? Where do we put our trust? You know, babies... They have, a lot of times they have something that they like to cuddle with or like a little security blanket. Or even our little baby, Amanda, she's been recently sucking her thumb. And I know that some people are going to say, no, don't do that. Don't let her do that. Take that out. <laughs> but like, there's something, like she's upset about something and then she puts her thumb in her mouth and she's fine. She has that like security in like, in that, I don't know if that's her hope, but like she's like content because of what she's doing here. And you know, I think sometimes, I think sometimes, even as adults, we don't carry around little blankets. We hopefully aren't sucking our thumbs, or at least not in front of people. <laughs> or at least, uh, your orthodontist will tell you about that, your dentist. But oh, hopefully you're not doing those things, but I think sometimes we still act kind of like that. Where our hope, even if we believe in Jesus, we still kind of act like our hope isn't secure. And we need to run to something else. And when your favorite team loses a game or ties a game, uh, that it affects your mood the rest of the day. That doesn't sound like you have a lot of hope. Or not the hope in, in Christ. So Jesus has secured for us a living hope. We can count on it. Let's see where, where Peter continues in verse 6 here. 
So it says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Okay? Greatly rejoice. So now, for a little while, you have led, or you have to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, in verses 6 and 7, Peter is writing about how there's, there's trials, there's problems, there's suffering. Keep in mind, he's writing to these, these Christians that have been scattered. You know, persecution started happening with, with Paul, which he was Saul at that point. It started happening in Jerusalem, and it started spreading the Christians. It started spreading the Christians and because they were not wanting to be killed. They didn't want to be persecuted. But now, 30 years later, they're still in different places, and they're still under some persecution. And Peter wants Christians, including us, to know that when there's persecution, or when, when persecution's going to happen, that we're ready for this. That we know how to face this. So he, he uses this imagery of, of being refined in a fire. And you know, a, a fire, when it's heated up so much, it, it refines, it takes out impurities out of metal. Right? And so whatever metal started with, the value of it in, is increasingly... It goes way up, right? And so, but the metal would not say, this feels good, because it's in a fire. It's being refined. But the value is much higher. And the purity is much better. And the beauty is much better. And so, even though we have trials and suffering, our faith is being refined. The value, the greater value, and it's, he says it's worth more than gold. As there, and, and the results, the result is for praise. And the result is glory and honor. Not to us, but to Jesus Christ when he's revealed. So if our life is showing, is pointing to Jesus, if our life is, is showing people that even when, when we are in some kind of trial, some kind of persecution, some kind of suffering, but we aren't reacting like what people think we should. We aren't, when someone is mean to you because of your faith, or someone is, is treating you a certain way, often they want to see you kind of fight back. But when we don't do that, that kind of makes them think, well, what are they, what's wrong with them? Why are they doing that? And our, and our second point today is that our living hope in Christ gives us joy in suffering. It's, it, Peter says here, he says at the first part of verse 6 here, that in all this you greatly rejoice. In the sufferings. He's talking about when you're in suffering, when you're in the fire. You greatly rejoice. That, that's hard to understand sometimes. How can you be joyful and suffering at the same time. I know when I feel sick, when I get sick, it's really hard when it, to feel joyful. 
right? But our suffering and our joy can coexist. And we're going to watch a, a two-minute clip from Right Now Media about this topic. Like Jesus, Peter expresses the reality that as Christians, we will experience suffering. Trials will come our way. Sorrows will be a part of up. living in this world. But notice there's a qualifier here. I love this. Peter says, it'll only last for a little while. Specifically here, Peter is writing to Christians who are experiencing persecution. And so Peter is writing to them for two purposes, to give them a warning and to give them encouragement. You will face opposition, but there is an opportunity here to live out your faith and to show the difference that Jesus makes. And so Peter's words were timely, right, for his original readers, but they're timely for us today as well. His counsel was helpful to them, but it's helpful for us because we just don't always know how to respond when yeah, someone disagrees with what we believe or maybe they mock us or make fun of us. The audience that he was writing to, these Christians, I mean, they were going to face an overwhelmingly difficult future. And so he reminds them, hey, this world is not your home. It can cling to the hope of our, our true home. If we can begin to comprehend our inheritance, then, then we'll be able to have strength and persevere. Peter explains that this living hope should translate for Christians into joy. Verse 6, he says simply, so be truly glad. And this is one of the things we'll see in the book of 1 Peter, that suffering and joy can be experienced simultaneously. In other words, Peter doesn't say, look, life's miserable and you're going to hate it here, but one day you'll be joyful. That's not what he does. Instead, he puts those things together and he makes the point that suffering and joy because of Christ can actually coexist. These troubles. So right now, media has put out uh, this video series uh, on the book of First Peter and by Kyle Eidelman. And I encourage you, as we are going through this sermon series, to be watching through um, those. They're about 10-minute um, episodes, but be watching those. If you aren't sure about Right Now Media or you haven't signed up for that, please talk to me or one of the uh, leaders here. We'd love to get you signed up for Right Now Media. It has thousands of Christian videos and resources on there for you. But here, what Kyle says, he says that suffering and joy because of Jesus, because of Christ, can coexist. So at the same, they're, they're happening, they're experiencing simultaneously joy and suffering. And so we're saying that our living hope because of Christ or in Christ gives us joy in suffering. And when people see that when we're suffering, we are still joyful, that makes them question where they have their hope. Because if they see that our hope is in something that's not just if your sports team wins, if your 4-H uh, bear wins the blue prize, if, if it's just hope in whatever you're hoping for, if it's different, if it's eternal, especially if your joy if you have joy while suffering, people are going to say, whoa, this person is different. This person lives differently. Why is that? Peter wants us to be ready to give a response to the hope that we have. We're going to find that about that more in chapter 3. But that's part of what this hope is all about. And then, and then he goes on 
um, he goes on in verses 8 and continuing. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you have not seen him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, in, inexpressible and glorious joy. So there's that joy again. And, for, and you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Notice here in, this, in these verses 8 and 9, there's this past tense, there's this present tense, and there's a future. And the, the past is that even though you haven't seen him, even though you haven't seen Jesus, you love him. Okay? He, he's writing to people that may have never seen Jesus because it's been 30 years. Even though you don't see, haven't seen him, you love him. That's us, right? We haven't seen Jesus in the flesh, and we still love him if you trust in Jesus with your life. And then he says, and even though you don't see him now, you believe in him, and you're filled with joy, right? Even though you don't see him now, even in this present you don't see him, you still trust him, you still believe in him. You still live for Him. You still have inexpressible and glorious joy. And you believe in Him, and are, so you're filled with this joy. And in verse 9 it says, and if you are receiving the end result of your faith, salvation of your soul, you're going to have salvation in Jesus. And that's in the future. He was just talking about it. Our inheritance is in Christ. It's kept in heaven. It's secure, right? We have joy, and we have an inheritance. And now we're going to see that this hope isn't just for the future. This hope, this living hope that we have in Christ is for now and the future. Now and later. And that's actually our, our point, the, the, the third point today, is that our living hope in Christ is both now and later. It can be happening now and later. It's not just for later, like what, what Kyle Edelman was saying in the video. It's not just like, oh, I'm suffering through this life right now and sometime I'll have joy. Sometime I'll have my hope in Jesus. No, it's for now. It's for now that He gives us inexpressible and glorious joy. And our hope is later because our, our inheritance is secure in, in heaven, in Christ. Now, I know I just said now and later a lot. And I don't know if anybody's a fan of the candy now and later, but there's a, there's a candy called now and later. And it must not be very popular because I couldn't find it in the grocery store this week. Actually, Ellen couldn't find it. But... Uh, but what I read about this candy, and I remember, when I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to get this sometimes, and it would be okay. But um, <laughs> Try not, not to slam the candy if you like it. But I, I looked up why it's called Now and Later. Why is this candy called Now and Later? And what they said is, or at least what Wikipedia said, was it's meant to suggest that customers are going to like them now, they're going to like the candy now, and... They're going to want some more later. They like it. They like this candy right now, in the present. 
Yum, this is good. Sugar, yes. Fruity, it's, it's great. But then I'm going to want some more later. That's a, it's actually pretty good marketing. You know, they, you get, people want the candy now and later. They're going to sell more. But I don't think it works so well because I don't know how popular it is. But now and later, I feel like that's what Paul, sorry, what Peter was trying to say here. Peter is trying to say, it's not just for the later. Your hope isn't in Christ just later. It's for now. It's for the both. I mean, it was even in the past, too. We love Jesus. We continue loving Jesus. We will love Jesus. We have our hope in Jesus for now and later. And if we are enjoying the now, we're really going to enjoy the later, aren't we? If we're just waiting till the later, the now might not be very enjoyable. We're just getting to the later, right? Are we just trying to get to the later? I mean, Peter does say that the trials are only going to last for a short time. Now, a short time might mean your whole life, but a short time is your whole life. I'm not trying to say your life is short, but in comparison to eternity, it, our lives are very short. Even if we live to be over 100, our lives are very short in comparison of eternity. And so if we're just living this life now, kind of begrudgingly trying to get to the end so that we can then enjoy and then have hope, and then our, our, you know, in heaven, that's sad. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's you. I hope it's not. But if that is you, I challenge you to enjoy the now and the later. Because our security, our hope, is in Jesus, not just for later, but it's for now. Hope isn't just for someday, but in Christ, we have hope. We have hope in our strained relationships. We will have hope for now in our marriages, in our in our co-workers. Not hope in our co-workers, but with our co-workers. We'll have hope to point them to Jesus. That relationships can be mended. We can have hope when we are addicted to things. Because that seems hopeless, but we have hope in Jesus. So whatever it is for you, our living hope is in Christ now and later. And our main idea today is that when you're in Christ, you're, you rejoice today in a living hope forever. When we are in Christ, when we trust Jesus with our life, when we are putting our hope in Him, then we rejoice not just later, we rejoice today. And we rejoice in a living hope, in Jesus Christ, and it's not just for today, it's for forever. Now, if that's not you, if you've never put your hope into Jesus Christ, don't wait until the later. Please don't wait till later. We don't know the end of our days. I, I had led a funeral yesterday for someone that died that was younger than me. 
We don't know how long we have. Don't count on the later if you don't have the present in Jesus. Because if you don't have the present in Jesus, you probably don't have the later in Jesus either. So don't wait. But maybe, maybe you're just like me sometimes. And we're putting so much of our security, so much of our hope, so much of our attention into things that are not eternal. Into, I keep talking about sports, but that's what I like. <laughs> but other things. Things that, yes, they, it, it matters because of people. It matters because of Jesus. But that's why it matters. Because of people and because of Jesus. Not because of what the final score is. <laughs> so when you're in Christ, you rejoice today in a living hope forever. You know, I want to challenge you as we close today, and as over this next nine weeks, as we are looking in First Peter, I want to encourage you to be reading through First Peter, looking at what is Peter talking about with a living hope. Because hope is now. Hope is here. Hope is here because of Jesus. If we have our hope in Jesus, then we have our hope now and forever. So I want to ask you this question to, to think about as we close today. I want you to think about how my secure hope, ask yourself this, how my secure hope in Christ affects how I live today. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we will someday shout the hymn of heaven, but we don't just wait till someday that we can be worshiping you now and later. We can put our trust and our hope in you, the risen King of kings and Lord of lords, and that our hope is firmly in you, Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, that you would teach each of us your love, that we would experience your grace and your peace in abundance. Lord, I pray as we go from here that you would continue to guide us and bless us. We ask that you would help us to show not just that we have hope for ourselves, but hope in you. And Lord, we uh, just thank you that we have this time after the service to have a meal. We just pray a blessing over this, the, this time and this food. Uh, thank you for those who are preparing it and have made it. And God, we just uh, ask that you would also give us wisdom and unity uh, in this uh, meeting later. And we just pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.